Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for watching and listening today. You can always find us online 24-7 at pathtozion.com. If you want to join in the discussion and send us anything for any reason, you can do so at pathtozionpodcast at gmail.com. We are entering part four of When Men Change Sabbath, Why the Church No Longer Honors the Biblical Holy Day. And we've been talking about a number of things that we're not going to go over again. Um, We're going to have to keep moving. There is a holy cow, there's a long way to go. So uh, we want to keep moving. Um, we did end the last one talking about how this purpose, the purpose within this is not to just decide on what day we're to go to church or what day we're supposed to worship God on. And I think that's part of the misconception within the Sabbath understanding is we're not talking about what day, Sabbath is not about what day you worship the Lord on. That's not really what it's about. Not to me anyway, and I could be wrong, but in in my studies and especially in all this stuff, the scriptures don't really lend to to giving us a blueprint on what day to choose to be a worshiper of God. We're not talking about that. There's something much greater than that. There's something much deeper to it than like, are are you worshiping Yahweh on the right day or on the wrong day? That's not the point of this. And so... We've, I feel like we've made that clear, but it's worth mentioning over and over again. Now, we're going to begin to move here in just a moment into the historical timeline that I talked about at the end of the last program, um, where we talk about how did we end up here? Because I asked the question, what happened? You know, what happened? It, if, if the children of Israel, if the people of Yeshua's day, including Yeshua himself, if Paul... The disciples, if the Acts 2 Pentecost church and and about 100 years after that, if those people kept Sabbath, Seventh-day Sabbath, if they went to the synagogue and and gathered together to mark and make holy, as we've already talked about to great length, the Seventh-day Sabbath, why are we not doing that today? And that's the heart of the, if we can just pinpoint one question, that's the best one really, to get at exposing the problem with our Christian doctrine is, if those things are true and biblically they're in our, they're, they're, you, you can't argue the point, <laughs> then why aren't we doing that? And that's where I'm at with so many things in my life. Um, but for this one specifically, we have to ask that question. Um, now this, this where we're about to head is to establish what Yahweh commanded his people to do. Because we talked about how he made it, Genesis 2. And then in Exodus, he commanded his people, if you're going to be my people, you're going to mark this day as holy and you're going to keep it separate, holy, and consecrated because that's what I did. (laughs) And so if you want to be my people, you're what? You're going to follow along with the way I set things in order. That's that's Yahweh's pattern throughout the whole Bible. That's that's the outplay, you will, if you will, the how you do's to be holy as I am holy. We think, he said, be holy as he is holy. Oh, be in Jesus. That's the Christian answer to that command, to to be holy as he is holy. Well, what's that mean? What's that mean, pastor? Be like Jesus. Well, how do I be like Jesus? Just check back next week, you know? (laughs) Pray for the sick. Go visit the nursing home. Oh, man, social justice, you know, nice guy Jesus. We're not talking about that. The crux of be like Jesus, to walk in the ways, the, the, the peripateo walking as Yeshua is what? 
do what you saw him do because what he did is what the he saw the father doing. Speak what Yeshua said because what he said is what he heard the father speaking. Walk like Yeshua because Yeshua perfectly walked out the commands of the father. That's what being like him is, like this stuff here, like honoring Seventh-day Sabbath. Our opinions don't matter. My preferences don't matter. What I believe does not matter. What I prefer doesn't matter. Traditions I've been handed doesn't matter. What Yeshua did and taught are the same as Yahweh's commands. That's that's no, no arguing point there. And nothing else matters. Nothing else matters in the long run. Exodus chapter 31. Now Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Now as for you, speak to the sons of Israel, saying, You must keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you, until my son Jesus comes and starts a new religion. Oh, wait. No, that's that's not in there? Oh, let this be a sign between me and you throughout all of your generations, so that you may know that I am Yahweh who sanctifies you. And see, I inserted that in there, not because I'm a heretic and want to add to the scriptures, but to expose the fact that we already have. (laughs) We have made that say that. We have made this sign between Yahweh and his people come to a point where when Jesus comes, you don't do that anymore. (laughs) But that's not what this says in any way whatsoever, specifically to this Sabbath understanding. My Sabbaths. My consecrated, holy, set-apart, distinct days that I am choosing as an appointed time to meet with my people. Do this forever. (laughs) So wasn't Sabbath just for the Jews? The best I could tell, the the book of Acts mentions 84, 84 different Sabbaths observed by the apostles. That might be news to some of us. The book of Acts. Now, where's, is it Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Acts? Oh, wait, oh, I'm sorry. Did you say Acts? I thought there was Pentecost in Acts. I thought the new church was birthed in Acts. No, no. The church didn't start in Acts, friend. This was a revelation for me not long ago. It's a tough one. I'll give you a few minutes. You can just step away and get a beverage. The book of Acts mentions 84 different Sabbaths observed by the apostles. All of them more than 14 years after the resurrection of Yeshua. As I'm always saying, why were these individuals doing these things on the other side of the death, burial, resurrection, ascension, Pentecost reality? If Jesus came and said it was wrong now, why would would true followers now... Why would true followers of Yeshua, the followers of the way, the sect of believers that Paul was the ringleader of, why would they be doing these things? Why would they be going to the synagogues? This is something the brother sent me. I I mean, this seems like the perfect time. I said it here and I said, Father, if you want me to read it, tell me when. Okay. Examples of Paul observing Sabbath. Just a couple. Acts 13, Paul and his companions put out to sea, blah, 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 all these things going on from Perga. They arrived in Antioch, and on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. Now, people read into that. I've heard teachers say, well, they were going in there to correct the bad teachers of the law. They were going in there to to tell them how wrong they were for gathering on Sabbath, Shabbat, seventh day. Are you kidding me? 
What is there any lending to any of that? understanding in any of these texts? No, there's not. We read into things. We say, this is why they were there. No, sir. We're not told that in any way whatsoever. That's poor doctrine. Verse 15 of uh, Acts 13, after the reading of the law and the prophets, the synagogue officials sent to them saying, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say it now. Exhortation? Shouldn't it have been correction? Shouldn't it have been calling them out? No. They walked into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, the seventh day Sabbath, and they sat down. Now this is Paul after encountering Yeshua Messiah and being blinded and having the revelation that everything he had learned before was what? Rubbish by comparison beside the encounter, the experiential reality of meeting Yeshua Messiah. Same man in the synagogue sitting down and then being invited to speak after the reading of the Law and the Prophets, which birthed the, the Acts Church, by the way. They were taught Law and the Prophets with Yeshua and Holy Spirit on top. Acts 13, later on, this is down in verse 42. People kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. They're talking about Paul and Barnabas. Man, please stay longer. Please tell us more. Would you come back next Shabbat, next Seventh-day Sabbath? Will you come back to the synagogue and tell us more? Now, would they be saying that if Paul and Barnabas were there whipping them with the new word of God and the new church doctrine that Jesus came and undid everything you're here to learn? Why would they say, oh, come tell us more? Come tell us more how wrong we are for, for talking about the law of Moses. Tell us how wrong we are for keeping, for keeping Torah. Tell us how wrong we are for, for not wanting to eat pork because Yahweh commanded us not to. Tell, hey, can you come back next week and tell us again? We have to insert ourselves into the text and ask what is really being spoken here to understand it correctly. So, verse 44, the next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord from Paul and Barnabas. What? Why? The fullness had come, man. The fullness had come. Torah, feast, Sabbath, Yeshua Messiah, and Holy Spirit. Acts 16. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. We sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled on the Sabbath day. Why were they assembling? What were they doing? Well, they were just hanging out by the river and it happened to be on a... That's not what this says. That's not what this says. Acts 17, according to Paul's custom, he went to them and for three Sabbaths, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Acts 18, he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Persuade them to what? To believe that the Yeshua, Yeshua the Messiah... The Mashiach had come and he had brought life. He was the living Torah and he came and fulfilled everything to the full so that we can be free. Free to what? Walk out of here and forget everything we've been taught? No, friends. Free because we have been given a way that was even greater because he's calling Jew and Gentile into becoming the people of Yahweh Elohim, man. Acts 21, 
After we arrived in Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. And the following day, Paul went in with us to James and all the elders who were present. After he had greeted them, he began to relate one by to relate one by one the things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they began glorifying God and said, You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews who have believed, and they are jealous for the law. It goes on at the very end to say, All will know that there is nothing to the things which have been told about you. All these accusations that Paul was coming and undoing Torah and tearing down the synagogues and saying the chair of Moses was of no use anymore and get out and start a new religion. That were the accusations, we're told clearly in the scriptures, by the ones who lied against him. And so this goes on to say, All will know that there's nothing to the things which they have been saying about you, Paul but that you yourself also walk orderly, keeping the capital L law. What? I thought Paul taught us we're free from the law. Friends, what we don't understand. We have been handed traditions that are not true. They're not true, and I know it hurts. I've gone through this myself now, and I've come out the other side free, and, I, and I'm, I'm more than fine. <laughs> I'm more like like Yeshua than I've ever been when I was free in Sabbath rest. I'm more like him now than I've ever been. (laughs) I'm in need of him more now than I ever was. I'm in more need of the blood and of Holy Spirit now than I've ever been. But we've been taught that we have to replace in order to have. It's not true. It's not true. A question before we get into the timeline information, because I promised we'd get there. When are we told that Jesus, Yeshua even, changed, altered, or canceled out a creation event law in principle? Because again, we're not merely only talking about Exodus 30, okay? We don't see Seventh-day Sabbath show up in Exodus as a command. Now here is Sabbath, and now you do it. Okay, we don't see the the institution, if you will, of seventh day Sabbath in Exodus with a command. We see the command referencing something back at creation again, a creation principle, a creation event. We see it back there. Okay, so when are we told that Jesus came anywhere in his ministry, any time in his life? That he altered, canceled, or changed a creation event law in principle, including Sabbath. We see no reference to that whatsoever, ever, in any teaching Jesus did. Ever. So let's begin talking about some history. We've got plenty of time. When I did the primary meet of this study yesterday, it was Sunday. And I couldn't help but think of the irony of how it's the Lord's Day. I've had conversations with even just simple Christian brothers in the hills where I live about how he saw me mowing the grass one day on a Sunday, not long ago. And, and he wasn't being rude and he wasn't being hard. He wasn't trying to condemn me. But the verbiage was to make sure I knew that, like, you don't mow the grass on the Lord's Day, Joel. And I've thought of that and countless other things throughout my life, all the way back to my childhood, how I know that Sunday is the Lord's Day. And I just, 
in this study yesterday, I kept asking the Father, why do I believe that that was true? Why is it ingrained in my mind that Sunday is the Lord's Day? (laughs) Well, I did some digging. (laughs) And what I found, man, showed me another level, another layer, another leg and arm, if you will, of the assimilation of the church. When did Sunday become branded as the Lord's Day? 363 A.D. Why did the councils of the new church take it upon themselves to create a new religion? Christianity. This hurts. I can, man, I can feel it. So many people, I know this is so offensive. But Christianity is not the same as the biblical the biblical understanding of the church, the ancient church, the eternal church that's always been, man. God didn't need a new idea. He didn't mean to gather and get a whole new idea and create a new religion based upon a man they called Jesus. He did not need that. It was not necessary. So when Sunday became branded the Lord's Day in in, uh, 363, why did the councils of the new church take it upon themselves to create a new religion that they called Christianity that eradicated Yahweh's command to keep the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Why did they do that? Do you know? Do you know how they did that? I had this conversation with a brother on the phone last night, an educated man that knows way more than me about many, many, many biblical things and other things as well. He said, you know, all I really know for sure is what Constantine changed and enacted and enforced. I know some other stuff in the late 100s, but otherwise, all I know for sure is like the, what Constantine implemented. So I said, well, that's kind of where I was until today, yesterday. But man, there's a lot going on in the timeline and history of the church that we've just not been told. Now, if you've watched any of our other recent programs, you know that I'm convinced that as soon as the church post-Acts chapter 2 began, it also began to die to all that preceded it. It's very complex. It's something I've never, just me, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I've never heard anybody talk from that platform, from that place, that, and I've never thought about it myself until yesterday, that the church in her condition that she was in, which was an awesome, beautiful, powerful condition, man. People were being healed when men walked by them and their shadow touched the, the, the um, sick person. Casting out demons, doing this, doing that. Why? They were walking in that tiny little mark of time of the fullness of the church, man. Just that little snippet of time. And I'm posing it didn't last long because man, again, got in there as he's done with everything, as we do with every single thing, we get our hands in it and we ruin it. But, but, but I would say that Acts 2 Pentecost to the end of the 100s, something beautiful was on the earth. I can't historically like prove that yet, but in my spirit, I feel that's true from what I do know about the scriptural account and historical records as well. In, in other extra-biblical writings about the historical timeline of that period. I believe there was a teeny, small, small window of time when there was a church on the earth that was the prophesied church. That was the fullness church. 
keeping Torah, keeping feasts, keeping Sabbath in the blood of Yeshua Messiah, empowered by Holy Spirit, doing signs and wonders. That's what we read about. That's what we read about in Acts. That everybody, and I don't care where you're from, what you do, what you believe, everybody in one way or another says, oh man, to be the Acts church. Oh, if we could just be the church in Acts. If we could just act like those people in the book of Acts. How do you do that? How does anyone do that? We excuse it away. Well, you can't be like that. You can't be like Paul. You can't be like those people. You, it's cultural. It's this. It's this. You can't. We can't. I think we can. I think we can, and I think that's part of the insurg- insurgence of the outpouring that's coming in the latter ages here. And all the prophesied things about... I can't get into all that. We'll get distracted. But we, you know, and I've even mentioned it in this series already. Although it's complex, I would propose that, that the church began to die even as something new began to live. <laughs> For perhaps only a generation or two at best, a people... Jew and Gentile were merged into living out Yeshua's purpose that he that he embodied. They were doing it now. They were doing it. He said, man, do what I've been doing and do even more. Do greater things. I believe these people were doing that. The fullness. But this did not last long. And before you know it, the followers of the way were marked for persecution and destruction by the leaders of new religion Christianity. They were not the same. They were not. That's why Paul, right out of the gate, was being accused. What? Lied against. Slandered. You're telling people not to keep Torah. You're telling people not to go to the synagogue. You're telling them. He said, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that. Even it's, He's always vindicated. He's always vindicated that these were liars. As we just read just one of those verses, all these accusations against us, they're saying you're doing, we know are not true. You're, you've not given up. What do we say? You've not given up on the law in any way at all. <laughs> but that was what was brought against him. That church, I think, was the powerful church. I think she's coming back. The fullness. Um, but a generation or two at best got this reality, connecting what was with what had just come. As we're always saying, Yeshua was no eradicator of his father's law. That's foolishness. He fulfilled it and raised the bar. I talked to a brother today on the phone I've never met before. He called me out of the blue. And we talked about the the jot and tittle, you know, that Yeshua said, I didn't come to undo even if I had the whiteboard, which is only right here today, one little little flip of of a pen, one little mark over a Hebrew letter, one little jot, one little tiny marking. I didn't come to even do away with that little minuscule thing, friend. He was no eradicator of that. In fact, he fulfilled it to the, to the full and he raised the bar, as I'm always saying. He took what was already commanded and expected and he moved it deeper and deeper, deeper into here. So a very few were in this short time span of what I call like the un- unadulterated church, pre-apostasy, if you will. We just talked about the apostate church we saw with Jeroboam. Thanks a lot, Jeroboam. Good job, king instituting the apostate church into the temple. Um, That was the one source study. We'll link to that on here if you want to check it out if you haven't. This did not last long. Before you know it, the followers of the way were marked for persecution and destruction. New religion Christianity was 
Oh boy, we're coming in. I don't want you here. Okay, we're kicking down the door. I mean, that's literally what we're going to look at historically happened. A new way had been found. Those in power would begin to erect a new Tower of Babel system to govern the people and called it religion. All the way back to Tertullian, okay? 2000, or 200 rather, 200 AD, we see the idea of not allowing labor on Sunday. And and I'm just going to preface this, and man, we're already running out of time for part four. Years ago, I started spending a lot of time looking into the early church fathers. I bought books. I read a ton. I learned a lot from different practices that they did that were well and right and good. One is like this contemplative reading of the scriptures. And I talk about it still today a lot, how I would, I learned to immerse myself into the scriptures, into individuals, into different people in the accounts of the word of God to literally place myself, not like super spiritual, but like in here, what was this person feeling? What were they thinking? What were they experiencing? I learned that through studying the the early church fathers there. So I'm not saying burn it all up. It's of no use, but What I can't shake anymore about where I am today, as I look into these individuals and the timeline of how Sabbath was eradicated, it started back here in 200 AD with with Tertullian. I don't like it, but it's just fact. I, I, I can't pick and choose history now. We have to just present it for what it is. But we see the idea of not allowing working on Sunday begin to come out of the shadows and be put on the on the on the face, if you will, of um New Church Christianity. We, on the day of the Lord's resurrection, which is arguably even accurate the way it's presented, (laughs) um, ought to defer our businesses lest we give any place to the devil. And so that's a quote that he said, you know, again, around 200 AD. This is beginning to be introduced of a shift of importance and a marking and, dare we say, a consecrating of a new idea, a new a, a, a new day we're we're going to submit i believe because this is what we believe in the assimilation of the luciferian agenda it starts out kind of small it starts out a little bit innocent and we say we're just going to kind of we're going to begin a little bit of slow indoctrination and integration of some new ideas like this one i don't think we should work on sundays anymore um <laughs> so we don't give any place to the devil it's kind of silly on this side, but I understand. 321 AD, the Emperor Constantine, this is what I referenced that brother and I talking about last night, he issued an edict which made Sunday an officially recognized day of rest from labor. Now we'll say right at the very beginning of this part of the study, this stuff is entirely unnecessary. And, and the irony of it is they're doing exactly what the, the oral tradition Jews with the pharisaical mindset introduced that Yeshua came and opposed so greatly because they said, Torah is not enough. We need to guard it. We need to build a fence around it. We need to give it, we need to give these oral laws that kind of add more on the people and become a, that's become, that becomes a burden. That's what Paul was always talking about. And Jesus as well. Yeshua was always talking about it. You're putting unnecessary burdens on people. Well, it wasn't Torah. It wasn't the law and the prophets. It was the oral law traditions of men. And this is exactly what we see. It's this Luciferian pattern. We see it as early as 200s and 300s, not long after the the post-Acts 2 Pentecost church was even beginning to function on the earth. 
And so Constantine said, we're going to officially make Sunday the day of resting from labor. Again, it was not necessary. There's no need to do that. Yahweh God already established his day, his holy day. Done deal. We don't need to do this in any other way. It's already clear. This tradition has been carried on even to the present time, of course. Eusebius, he was bishop of Caesarea. He died around 329 AD. All these um, dates are approximate in, in measure. He praised Constantine. He thought this was the best idea in a very long time. And he said, quote, this would lead all mankind to the worship of God. Now, why is that? Man, it's, 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 I don't, I go through this in so many episodes. It's, it's Babylonian. It's, it's what we see in Sodom and Gomorrah. It's what we see in the Garden of Eden. It's what we see at the Tower of Babel. It's what we see pre-flood. It's what we see all throughout humanity in whatever different stages we choose to get out the microscope and examine the deification and exaltation of man over Yahweh Elohim's ways. That's fine. I know we're, I know we're told that. I know it's there. But you know what? We've just got a better idea. <laughs> We've got a better way to do this. And so his quote is ludicrous, really, when he said that this edict that Constantine put into place to begin to move towards a Sunday holy day, a new Lord's Day, would lead all mankind to the worship of God. And I'm just going to ask, as we bring this one to a close, has that worked? Has that worked? <laughs> Have, what did it say? <laughs> Have... All mankind been led to the worship of God by worshiping on the day of the sun? Have you watched the last series that we did about the the sun worship and about Sunday, the day of the sun, and how how all civilizations throughout time had gods and goddesses and temples and even set up these sun gods in the temple of Yahweh Elohim? Has, has, did any of those produce worship? Well, I mean, here's the question. Well, who's God? What God are you talking about? I mean, man, don't even get me started on that train of thought I have right here in this second. Are they talking about Yahweh Elohim of the Bible? This may lead us all. This will lead all mankind to the worship of God. Maybe that's true, y'all. I need to talk to my wife about this one. Maybe he's not talking about Yahweh Elohim. How's that for something to chew on? Maybe that's true. Maybe this is leading all of mankind to the worship of a false god. You ever look into Godriel from the book of Enoch? Which sounds more like God to you? And we're going to close this before you start throwing things at your screen and tell me to shut my mouth. Which sounds more like G-O-D? I wasn't planning on sharing this, but hey, let's just get right to it to end this series, this uh, part of the series. Which sounds more like the nebulous reference to God? Godrael or Yahweh? Just in the vernacular of saying it. <laughs> Ask that to your three-year-old. Honey, which sounds like God? Godrael or Yahweh? Godrael. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. I hadn't thought about that. I'm going to have to ask the Father if that's true. They may have been talking about in, in, the, in the origin now, not maybe in their verbiage, but at the heart of it, maybe it's saying this is going to lead all mankind to a false worship. Man, that's deep. I want to call 10 brothers right now and say, what do you think about this? <laughs> I don't know. Let's chew on that for a while. 
But let's say there's let's just say without presenting this real big argument, if that is Yahweh, has it done that? We know it hasn't done that. That's why I'm jumping over to the other and saying maybe that's what it is because that has happened. It's led to a false light that we talked about back in the one source, one light of life, Yeshua uh, study that we just finished. But that's, it has not led us to Yahweh Elohim. It's not led us at all to all of mankind worshiping him. That's for sure. And so, man, we barely got anywhere on the uh, actual historical timeline. Next episode, I'm jumping right in, starting right there. This is, what's the title of this thing? I'm so bad at remembering the titles. When Men Change Sabbath. Why the church no longer honors the biblical holy day. Friends, we don't. We. Christianity. It is not holy and sacred. It's not. Let's just admit that and move on and ask the Father why. You're watching the Path to Zion podcast. We're rediscovering the ancient way. Find us online, 247pathtozion.com. Send us an email. Help us out here at the program. We need stuff, man. Literally, if this is going to continue to progress, there is money we spend every month on this program that I'll continue to do. Again, this is going to go off the air if you don't send us $5,000 by 5 o'clock tonight. No, that is never, ever insinuated here. But we find people that say, can I help out with what you're doing? Yes, amen. Podcast at gmail.com or all over Facebook, you can do that. And of course, you can post stuff here on YouTube. Be nice. Be rude. Be whatever you need to do if, in fact, you're rude, uh, rude. (laughs) if you're, in fact, you're willing to present just dialogue about what we believe and why and what, what you believe and why. And let's talk about it and be the church. That's our hope and goal here. Thank you for watching. We'll be right back with part five. Amen.